worship, uh, but because Sean's away and all those kind of things, I think some are just having to stay in church. I don't think you'll be bored today. Today we're talking about wives. As I said, this is why I think my lips are parched. This is a dangerous topic. Now, if you look at our text, the text is Colossians chapter 3, verse 18. Colossians chapter 3, verse 18. But there also are quite a few other passages that I've included there. Uh, because when we look at all of these passages, uh, then you get a bigger picture of some of the things that are going on. But if you let us reverently attend to the public reading of God's inerrant, inspired, infallible word. And uh, that comes in Colossians chapter 3, verse 18. Extra points, Tracy. <laughs> and <laughs> if you look at Colossians 3.18, this is probably why my lips are so chapped. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Uh, it's easier to say the second time. Uh, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Now, <laughs> uh, I, I uh, let me wet my whistle. Morris often has prayed that uh, your tongue would cleave to the roof of your mouth so you wouldn't say something that wouldn't need to be said. Uh, I believe that these things need to be said. This is God's word. I'm going to give you a few more verses if you'll follow along. I want to take you to Ephesians chapter 5, which is a parallel passage. It's not listed on that list, but it's Paul was writing the book of Colossians from prison. He wrote it to the church that's in Colossae, which is in southern Turkey, southern central Turkey. Uh, it's at, uh, there's, a, there's hills around there, and there's a river that flows through. He wrote it to those people, the believers that, that God formed into a church in Colossae. Ephesus is only about 150 miles, maybe a little less than that, uh, towards the coast. It is on the coast of southern Turkey, and, uh, and it borders on the Mediterranean Sea. The church at Ephesus was a little bit bigger uh, because the city was bigger, but also they got some big-name pastors. They had this guy named the Apostle John be their pastor, and they even had this, this guy who was tutored by Paul named Timothy to be their pastor. Let me tell you, Ephesus was a little bit bigger. But when Paul wrote a letter, he wrote it not only to the big church in Ephesus, but one to, in Colossians, to the Colossae church. It was written about the same time, and he touches on same, some of the same issues that they were having in both churches. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, instead of saying, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord, in chapter 5, verse 22 of Ephes, of, of, to the Ephesian believers, he says, wives, submit to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives in everything to their husbands. I had to just get through that pretty quick. Did you hear that? Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives in everything to their husbands. The word submit is not inserted there, except when you translate it, it's implied. But as the church submits to Christ, that's the picture, so should also the wives be to their husbands. In, oh, it says, in everything. Let me take another drink. 
Now, let me take you to a fun verse. If you go to Proverbs 31, uh, there's some things that I could highlight there for you. In Proverbs 31, it says, An excellent wife who can find, she is far more precious than jewels. The heart of the husband trusts in that wife, and he will have no lack of gain. In other words, it's a good thing. That's where you get that phrase, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. She's going to make life a lot better, guys. Now, I want to take you to a few more verses, and we have them listed here uh, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 22, when God himself is looking at this, this interesting thing. He's made a man, and now there's a woman there, and he says, uh, God blessed the two of them, saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and, and fill the waters in the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. In other words, when God is blessing things, he includes the blessing on the husband and the wife. In Genesis chapter 2, it's further explained in verse 22 and 23, and the rib that the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and then he brought that new person, he brought her to the man. And the man said, wow. Well, the text actually says, whoa. Okay. But the man said, this, is the, this at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. In Sunday school today, we were mentioning the question was raised, why didn't God just make man and woman like he did all the other creatures? You know, when he made two, two chickens and he made two uh, giraffes and two rhinos, but he only made one man. And then he did surgery on that man to be able to make a woman. Why did God do all that? And the point being is, is that you can't believe that book that says men are from uh, Mars and women are from Venus. You just can't believe that because we're all made of the same substance, bone of bone and flesh of flesh. Now, there's a couple more verses that uh, I might have to take a drink on. Genesis chapter 24 is one that was uh, spoken at our wedding. Tracy and I remember it. My dad preached a, an hour-long sermon on it, I think. Um, <laughs> it seemed like an hour. Uh, the, this, is, this is the story where, uh, where there's a wife trying to be found, okay? Because they're searching the world over and they can't find one. Uh, but it says here, the Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred and who spoke to me and he swore to me. This is Abraham speaking. He says, he, God said to your offspring, I will give this land. He will send his angel therefore before you, Eliezer, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. Now, this is interesting because this is uh, kind of like uh, it's not courting, it's not dating, it's kind of like, uh, go find me somebody. My son needs a wife. But it's interesting how the Lord is involved in picking this woman. But if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be free from this oath of mine, only you must not take my son back to the Canaan land. You must not take my son back to where I came from. And so that's pretty neat. Now, there's a couple more verses here in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. It says, likewise, wives, this is the apostle Peter. You know, this is where you can get mad at him and not me. Uh, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands. Uh, where have we heard that before? Oh, that was the other apostle saying that wives need to submit to their own husbands. Now, Peter comes in and he says, wives, be subject to your own husbands so that even if some do not obey the word, in other words, some of the guys are losers. 
Even if you've got a loser guy, if some do not, does not obey the word, that, that husband may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. It's kind of beautiful there. And if you look a little further in 1 Corinthians, uh, and I think I've got a couple more passages here, in 1 Corinthians 14, verses 33 to 35, for God is not a God of confusion, but God is a God of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. The women should keep silent. Let me get a drink. <laughs> the women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also declares. If there is anything that the women desire to learn, <clears throat> let me take a drink. Let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Now, pastor, can we just skip that passage? Let me take you to another one. This is from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, okay? And it says, now I commend you because you're, you remembered me in everything and you maintained the traditions as I delivered to you. In other words, the way you're conducting yourselves, you guys are doing it well. I taught you and you're doing it. And so he goes on, but he says, I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ and the head of a wife is her husband and the head of Christ is God. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covers dishonored his head. And then he gets into this passage about whether you're having your head covered or not. And then he ends up trying to give an explanation of it. And I'm not focusing on this text, but I want to deal with all the hard text together so you can see it. Uh, it says in verse 6, For if a wife will not cover her head, then she should cut her hair short. But since it is disgraceful for a wife to cut her hair or shave her head, let her cover her head. For a man ought not to cover his head, since he is in the image of the glory of God, but a woman is in the glory of man. For man was not made from woman, but women were made from man. Neither was man created for the woman, but the woman was created for the man. That is why a wife ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, in the Lord, women, uh, a woman is not independent of a man, nor man of a woman. For as woman was made from man, so man is now born of woman. And all things are from God." And that's why he says, judge for yourselves if it is proper for a wife to pray and in, in, in a certain way. Now, we can get into all that minutia, but I, what I basically wanted to do on this particular day is we're talking about the family unit and biblical marriage, and in particular, being a wife that's in Christ. If you have your, uh, your notes that you're coming along with, there are some interesting passages that I want to be able to highlight. But as I, as I open up the text, and I'll quickly move through these today because of the time and the teaching that's come in multiple ways. First, I wanted you to know that I know this is a difficult sermon. It's probably more difficult to preach than it is to hear. And right now, because the popular culture would say, I'm a white man, they would actually say, who are you to be able to teach this kind of stuff? They would call me arrogant. They would say that I need to be stripped from this. And the way that they would promote it is we need to replace all these old stodgy men and from the old, the old ways of Christianity. And we need to replace them with a whole new slate. Let's put some women up in the pulpit and let's go ahead and just erase all that stuff that is chauvinistic. 
The difficulty is due to the conflict that already exists in our culture. Conflict of submission, the conflict of revelation, and the conflict of conformity. There's a lot of issues going on. You know, marriage is under attack. Many of you that are inside of marriage, you've also begun to believe that it is a war zone. It's a battlefield. And you almost wonder, how do you win? You certainly don't win if you destroy the the other party. And if you cave in, have you won or you lost? It's really interesting, all the struggles that come in being a wife, and next week I'll be preaching about being a husband. Nobody really wants to hear this unless you feel like you've been wronged. If you're a wife that's been taken advantage of, you would really would like to hear this stuff. But if you're a man, you know, you probably do like this or this week, but you probably won't like next week's sermon. One person once warned me that, uh, that if when I preach this New Testament, that they're going to feel like it's just a simple three-point sermon. Wives must submit. Wives must be silent. And wives must have sex. They must obey their husbands because Colossians and Ephesians says so. They must be silent because uh, this is what was said in 1 Corinthians as well as in 1 Timothy that they should study at home. And then also wives must have, uh, they must not keep themselves from, from intimacy. They should enjoy a hug and a kiss because 1 Corinthians says they can only not do this for a short period of time. 1 Corinthians 7 and 8. Isn't that a great sermon? If anybody says amen, we need to pray for that person. We come here to preach the gospel. And when you get into this kind of stuff, you wonder, where is the gospel? Where is Jesus? Where is the cross? It's because of the gospel that these words are shared. It's because of what Jesus did on the cross that this is applicable even in 2021. Let me explain, and you'll see it in in the uh, sermon today. I want to be able to highlight, I'm going to give you three questions but, I, but the sermon is about answering those three questions. Uh, what are the questions? The first question is, what is a wife? Okay. The second question is, what does postmodern application of a wife look like? In other words, what do most people today think about what a wife is? Okay. And the third thing is, uh, what is a wife that is in Christ? And the reason why I'm going to get there is because that's what our text is all about. We are dealing with Colossians chapter 3, and if you look at the first verse of chapter 3, it says, if we've been raised with Christ, then we need to seek the things that are above. We need to do things God's way. And so because we are in Christ, now he says, wives, this is what you do. If you're in Christ, this is what it looks like. Now, you see, the gospel has to already be shared with your heart. Otherwise, you would not only be gagging at me saying these things in 2021, but you would be trying to turn off the, t- the, uh, the video and making sure that nobody outside of this church ever hears the pastor say anything like that. You could never invite anybody back. Now, think about this for a moment. Does God's word speak to these particular things? And the answer is yes. I believe that in this postmodern culture, by way of introduction, it is very difficult to communicate the beauty of this imagery. It is very difficult to be able to experience the bliss that actually can be in this when you understand what it means to be in Christ. And that's the question. If we don't really know what it's like to be in Christ, then you need to, to meet Christ. This ought not to be appalling for you. This is something that Christians throughout the centuries have needed to hear. 
Otherwise, they'll lean on their own understanding and they'll create alternatives, which we'll touch on in the second point. So the first point is, what is a wife? And to be able to remember this, W-I-F-E. I'm giving you four points to be able to follow along. What is a wife? Well, the first thing about a wife, she's a woman. Pretty easy, okay? The <laughs> really, it's, it's not that hard here. Uh, and the second one is gonna be an I. And what is that? She's an individual, okay? The third one is an F. She's a friend. Okay, and the fourth one is an E. You might not like this one, but she's a part of energy. Okay, and I want to explain that as we get there. But I'm, going, I'm taking you to the passage uh, where back to the, to the basics in Genesis chapter 2, verses 24. So if you have your Bibles open, you can easily see that a wife is a woman. Because when you look at the text, and I want to read for us in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, therefore shall, can you bring that verse up? Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and cling to his wife, and the two shall become one. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and, and make sure you get this verse so that I can easily unpack what a wife is. Therefore, a man Okay, so right now you know that a man is different from the wife because a man is doing this and then he finds this wife. So it's, a wife is not a man. I just want to make sure you know that. A man leaves his home, his family unit, his father and his mother. Kind of interesting. Can you imagine a family unit that's made up of a mom and a dad? It's kind of novel, isn't it? Now, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and those two that are cleaving together shall become one. That's a picture of marriage. Now, in understanding this, number one, she's a woman. She's a biological woman. It's an invention that God made, and he said it was very good. Now, if you look a little bit earlier on in the text, and you don't have to go there right now, I'll speed through it, is that in the, in the Bible there, as we just read, that there was a, there was a lonely man he was created in the image of God. He was holy and he's happy, but he was incomplete. And God said it wasn't good. And so he said, I'm going to make man. And then that's when he started anesthesia. And then he started surgery. And he ended up creating uh, another woman that was uh, another person who was out of man. Hence the word woman. Now, when you look back at the, uh, at the Old Testament, you have the word ish, which is man. And then the word for woman is isha. Okay, so you can see that they're made of the same kind of substance. Uh, and, and that's why it's very interesting that Ish means husband and Isha means wife. Uh, conceptually, as a woman was an extension from the man, the word for wife is also an extension from the word man. They're together. There's a linkage. You don't have a wife unless you have a husband. Okay? It's really kind of neat how this works together. Likewise, the English word woman denotes a man, uh, excuse me, if you look a little further here, the, yes, the English word woman denotes a man, but not any man, but a man with a womb. And that's what makes the woman special. In the Greek, the word for wife is gyne, uh, which is, or some people say gene, which is from the root of ginomai. This is the same root that uses in the word of uh, uh, gynecology. You know, how many men go to gynecologists? Okay, if you understand, 
Uh, I'm glad we didn't get any big answers for that one. Um, this is the same root, and that's why you can see the difference between men and women. They're of the same substance, but there is a unique difference. It is clear from these words that a wife is a woman, and a woman that God gave certain roles. We find these roles in, t in, in several passages that we're going to be touching on. But as I explain it today, first she's a woman, and, and you get that clearly in the text of Scripture. God made specially this lady. Secondly, she is an individual. And this is why I explain it. She is not, she is not the same as man. She is an individual. And that's why she's precious. She should be treated wonderfully. Proverbs 31 brings out a lot about this, this wife. Praiseworthy things. She is intimately designed and equipped by God like nothing else in creation. And if you ever feel that we put down women if we're Bible-believing, you're wrong. They are elevated. They are lifted up. God gave special attention. He carved and shaped and did everything. And that's why it was so appropriate for, for, for Adam to say, whoa, man. How beautiful. F, the friend. When I look at this particular thing, the Bible says it wasn't good for man to be alone. And so God created a helpmeet. And a helpmeet <coughs> is to be a friend. And uh, it's really kind of interesting that she's not supposed to be an enemy. She's not supposed to be an enemy. If you go into the Song of Solomon, I was reading it recently. <coughs> it is fascinating to see the, the, the interest that Solomon as a young man had for that Shulamite woman. He described a lot of things about her. When he said that she had teeth that looked like goats, I don't think that was very good. You know, and when he talked about her neck being like the Tower of, of David, not sure that that went over too, too well. But, you know, there's a lot of other things in it that are very touchy-feely, and, and he probably was pretty effective. But a wife is supposed to be a friend, a companion, someone that completes you know, somebody, that, because really, and then I'll get into this next week, because the men are needy. It wasn't good for that needy man to be alone. So God sent him somebody to help meet his need. It's really neat how it all works together. The E is the tough one, is the energy. A wife is an energy. Uh, God did not simply provide a friend, but he created a powerful unit when he brought a wife into the picture. Now think about this for a moment. Adam is there in the Garden of Eden and everything is wonderful. He has a relationship with God. He's got a work to do. He's naming all the animals. I mean, it's delightful. I mean, it is better weather there than in California. I mean, it, it's awesome. But it wasn't. If, if Adam would have lived to be 3,000 years old, guess what else would have happened around him? Loneliness. You know, some of you might be concerned about where did their son get, their, get his wife. You know, that, the big question that Ken Ham always says, where did uh, Cain get his wife? I want you to know, we know how Adam got his wife. And it was not that they should just play patty cake. The energy that the two of them came together, the gene pool that was there, all of us got some of it. I mean, you, when you think about what God did when he brought this lady into this world, 
it is not a happenstance. It is not just casually, oh, well, oh, yeah, by the way, this is what happened. Man, the energy that he put into the garden. And then he said, this is very good. I want you to know that this is why the marriage unit is, the, the family unit is so special. Okay, I, I could go through an awful lot more, but I got to move quickly. The second thing here is the, what is the postmodern applications of a wife? Uh, I'm going to give you six alternatives that the world is pushing right now. And if you're writing, you can take notes. You may not like some of them, and you may resemble some of them, but don't be deceived by them. The first one, in this postmodern century, it is very difficult to, to communicate this beautiful imagery. I'm trying to do my best right now. It's even hard for me to articulate the beautiful imagery because it doesn't come across very well because our cultural ears are not willing to even hear it. Although God said it was very good, people today don't want to hear it. Don't tell me, don't tell me, don't tell me. They only think that the ugly part of the New Testament is wives need to submit, wives need to shut up, and wives need to give in. You understand what I'm saying? They don't understand what God has done in making a wife. The first alternative, it may come from rebellion or it may come from substitution. I'm not exactly sure on all of these, but I want you to be able to hear it. When it's in rebellion, it's people are actually saying, I'm not going to do what the Word of God says. And sometimes it's by replacement. They're going to say, I like doing this instead, an alternative lifestyle. If you hear me out, the first one is to change the role of women. The second one is to change the function of women. The third one is to do away with marriage. The fourth one is to redefine marriage. The fifth one is to devalue the marriage unit. And the sixth one is to exchange the natural use. You following me? Have you, have you heard any of these before? They first change the role of women. They make the man and the woman interchangeable within the marriage. They push this thing of equality. If you are hearing about equality, then that means that they are saying there's no difference between a man and a woman. Is there any difference? You bet. I can prove that to you, not only with science of going to the genes and looking at the, at the chromosomes, but you can just clearly see when you meet people. If you're a boy or a girl, there's a great distinction. And yet in our culture today, they are trying to make these interchangeable as if you can just flick the switch or put a new piece of clothing over it. The second alternative is to change the function of a woman. They replace the man with a woman. Now, when this happens, it's not about equality. It's trying to usurp. They're trying to replace the man with a woman. Now, in modern vernacular, this is called feminism. This idea of feminism is enabling the woman to be the head of the man. And when they push this, it usually starts with talking about equality, but really it's replacement. They want women to be able to be in all the particular things. And even today, if you look around at the government, uh, what was the biggest news of the last election? If you can get past the presidential election, you can look around and you can see, if you watch the State of the Union address, you see two women standing behind him. If you look at Congress, you can see how many women were elected to all the positions. There's more women in Congress than ever before. You know what that also means? There's less men in Congress than ever before. Okay? Now, when you look at the next one, you've got to be careful about the feminism issue because it's a new alternative to what God set up. It's not good to replace the man and to make the woman the head of man. Okay? Third is the do away with marriage. Enable the woman to avoid being the wife. 
the wife issue is submission. Just avoid it altogether. So we'll do away with marriage. Uh, we don't have to succumb to those roles in the union. Basically, we're liberating women from morality. So now you can just, you can have it all and you don't have to get married because there's no shame, there's no blemish, there's nothing. You can do what you want. You can go on any of those cool uh, websites and you can find a companion and you don't have to have any kind of, you don't have to feel like you need to submit to anything. Just totally do away with marriage. Now the fourth alternative is to redefine marriage. Okay, when you think about redefining marriage, uh, this happened in my lifetime when the Supreme Court ended up standing up and, and removing the Defense of Marriage Act. They ended up saying the Defense of Marriage Act was overturned, and, the, and that's when the President of the United States at the time said that his views had changed. He ran as somebody standing in Saddleback Church in California talking about what a family unit was, and he said, that's what I believe in. And he was married to his wife, and they had two children, and it was kind of really beautiful. And, and a lot of people said, let's give it a shot. Okay? And it was kind of interesting. But then the, the courts moved, and all these things happened, and, and it seemed like everybody in the world just turned on the family unit, and they redefined it. So now marriage... It's not between, it, you know, if I quote that verse in, in Genesis 2.24, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and the two shall be one. That sounds like it's archaic. Now you can get married to anybody that you love. It's not all about civil unions. Now you can just do this. Okay, so that was one of the techniques is to redefine marriage. You can have a marriage contract with someone who does not fit the biblical description of a wife. Now, the fifth alternative is to devalue the marriage unit, and that's kind of subtle. What I mean by that is, there, like for me, I'm going to make an application. If I want to go and find my wife's records from the local pharmacy, do you know that I'm not allowed to get that anymore? I'm the husband. I always say, I pay the bills when I go to the pharmacist and I'm looking for this information. You can't give me that information? No. You know why you can't give me that information? It doesn't matter that you're in the most intimate of a relationship with this person in marriage. HIPAA says no. You can't find out anything about that other person because that person is private. You can't find out what shots you've taken or what you've not taken. You can't find out anything. You can pay the bill still. They'll tell you the final price, but they won't give you that information They've, they, uh, the, De the Defense of Marriage Act has now been restricted, or, or basically it's been flattened. There's no more benefit to being married. Okay, it's really sad when you start to realize this. You can have a marriage contract, uh, excuse me, when, when you look at this one, it says uh, it's, it's no more about, um, uh, no more first comes love, then comes marriage, and then comes the baby and the carriage. Uh, or you can't say no more sex till marriage. Uh, basically, you just try it and see if you like it. Uh, no more shame if unmarried, no more bastard children, no more parentless children. Uh, I mean, parent, parentless children is actually okay, even in some of the cultures. In fact, our government will give you double money if you have more kids. Out of wedlock births are up so high when I was listening to another preacher that told me about how some preachers in the inner city were actually teaching the women how to do this so that they could qualify for more funds and get out of poverty. I'm just like, what's going on in this world? Alternatives to being a beautiful wife. 
The sixth alternative is probably the most uncomfortable for me from Romans chapter 1, but it says that they exchanged the natural use. If you go there, God gives them this delusion, and instead of having a husband and wife becoming one, now the women leave the natural use for something different, and basically they have to pretend with somebody of the same sex that one is the woman and one isn't. I don't want to go any further on that. It's just that they are without excuse. And if you read the text, they claim to be wise, but they become fools. They exchange the glory of what God set up for something that is more corruptible. Therefore, verse 24 of chapter 1 of Romans, therefore God gave them up to the lust of their hearts, even to impurity. They dishonor what God gave them in their bodies. And it says, because they exchanged the truth for something else. Now, I could go on to this, but I told you... Um, this idea of pretending to, to be a wife, it's another alternative that postmodern pushes. You, you may have actually heard it. It'd be a little scary if you were the one promoting it. But these things are becoming very, very, very popular, and traditional Christianity is becoming obsolete. Postmodernism seeks to move beyond the cords of biblical morality and even to science and biology of genes and body parts. Now it is simply how you choose to identify. And some legislatures in this country and even in our state are eager to declare that those who maintain a theological fidelity to what God has revealed about gender and sexual activity and about the role of a wife, they should be shamed because of their lack of conformity, because they're heartless to the paths that people want to take in their alternatives. Now, I'm not going to focus on that. This is the gospel message, and that's why we'll finish up answering the last question. It's really fun. This is where I would like to dwell. What is a wife in Christ? Um, the idea of being in Christ is explained in our text as we started off. If you're a Christian, remember I drew a circle and I said this whole cool thing that Paul is trying to tell the church in Colossae is that you need to be in Christ. He says, I'm a gospel minister. I'm an apostle to be able to reveal to you this, this beautiful imagery. And so when he tells them that being connected to Christ changes everything, and that's why in the previous verses and the previous sermons, I've been telling you that if you're in Christ, everything's new. I've been crucified with Christ. Now I live. And if you look at the verses before this, you can find that he said, if you're in Christ, put off those old things the immorality, the other things that were just difficult, even the anger and the malice and those things. And he says, if you're in Christ, you put on these lovely things, kindness. You put on gentleness and patience. You put on compassion. It's really neat when you can see that if you're in Christ, it's not the same way, it's the new way. And then he says, above all these things, put on love. It's the bond that brings us together. And we bear with each other as we go through life. And if we have a conflict, we actually forgive one another because love covers a multitude of things and it brings us into harmony. So in this particular thing, a wife in Christ is a different creature than a wife that's outside of Christ. If Christ is in you and you are in Christ, then the old practices are gone. And it's really quite beautiful when you are united to somebody that is in Christ and you're in Christ, then Christ is in both of you. And the things that you now do, you do them beautifully. It's supposed to be a harmony. You'll be able to sing together. You're supposed to make melody in your heart. If you look at the previous verses, you'll see how it all comes together. All the relationships are changed, and they're renewed in this mold that God had set up at creation. If you look at the previous verses, you can see it. In Christ, we have this return to the way it was, as you know, it, it moving back to where God honored the man and the woman. Now, when you realize that, uh, I, I just wanted to take notice. If you are a woman here today, 
there's four, four things you could be in relation to a wife. You either are a wife, you will be a wife, you used to be a wife, or you'll never be a wife. Isn't that intellectually good? You know, I just want to be able to say, if you are a wife, this teaching is for you to apply now. In Christ, you don't have to be hating your husband. You don't have to be an enemy to him. You can definitely be a woman, and don't be ashamed of it. You can definitely be an individual, and don't be ashamed of it. You can definitely be a friend. Please be a friend. And you can bring your energy into this new unit, because that's the way God designed it. Okay? <laughs> If, if you are going to become a wife, those of you that are young ladies, uh, this teaching is for you to understand the value of the family unit. It's a precious thing. It's not an easy task. Don't jump into it haphazardly. That's why I'm an advocate of teaching and training and counseling. I want people to be ready for that lifetime. It's a bliss. It's supposed to be a lifetime of bliss, right? Uh, if you used to be a wife, there are some of you here today that experienced what it was, and some of you have great experiences, and some of you have awful experiences, because you're, you're, you used to be because either death or divorce. When death comes knocking at your door, aging, sickness, sadness, and even calamities. I mention this stuff to you, and it makes you sad. You don't have what you used to have. Because that person was a beautiful thing, a gift to you. We'll talk about husbands next week. But if it's by divorce, which often comes by the three A's, by adultery, by abandonment, or by abuse, it's a sad day when you used to be a wife, but you had to be liberated from a terrible situation. Scripture does allow for it, but I, I understand that you know that you got a bad taste of what the alternatives were instead of the beauty that God designed. And for those of you that are called not to be a wife, God has given you a special grace then. But the pattern in Scripture is, is that it's not good for a man to be alone, and that's why it's a beautiful thing. And it's, and it's an exception to not be. It's not something that puts you down, but it certainly isn't something that makes you, uh, makes you have to be angry at those who are wives. Now, for the men, men... If you, you have a wife, or if you want to find a wife, or if you no longer have a wife, or you will never have a wife by God's design. There's a few people in Scripture that never were able to get married, the eunuchs and a couple of the others, but there are some who obviously didn't have Christian mingle to be able to Google up. When you look through Scripture and you understand this, I just want guys to realize that the reason why I was drinking all this water and dealing with all this text is because even the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter, was, they knew that wives were special. They are. Don't be trivial about it. The, uh, the last application there is the mystery. I talk about this union with Christ, but there's also another mystery explained in Ephesians. When Paul explains about wives submitting to the church, then he actually, submitting to, to their husbands, then he compares it to the church submitting to Christ. How well do we do that? I know I'm past noon. Just breathe with me a little bit more. How well does the church submit to Christ? Do we really look to his headship? Do we really want to do what the Father through the Son shows us is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God? Or do we just want to be like wild kids that run around and do whatever we want to do, that, we're, you know, that we don't go to church, we don't do this, we don't tithe, we don't give, we don't invest, we don't give a helping hand, we just don't. It's so beautiful when you see this picture. Let me ask a hard question. Can you list five beautiful marriages that you want to be like? 
If I were to ask you to write down five couples' names of a beautiful marriage that modeled this wife, can you find them? It is so hard for the young people today to ever look at a biblical wife and say, man, I'd like to be a young lady. I want to be just like that. Because right now, we are not ambassadors very well of what it means to be loving husbands to beautiful wives and submitting wives to godly husbands. I finish with the cross. There is a beauty in the text that the bride of Christ is going to be brought in meet, meeting the groom of Jesus. That is pictured in the book of Revelation towards the end, the marriage supper of the Lamb, where the engaged is going to come back and they're going to consummate things in heaven. The illustration, it's a little bit hard for us to digest, but it's a wonderful imagery of how wonderful heaven's going to be. For those of you that have enjoyed a honeymoon at least... Heaven's going to be a perpetual honeymoon, but it's not going to be based on biology and about uh, intimacy. It's going, to be, uh, it's going to be based on the intimacy spiritually with our Savior. When that role is called up yonder, we'll be there. The body of Christ is going to, the bride of Christ is going to be brought together, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Comfort yourselves with these words. The cross demonstrates that he has great love because greater love hath no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friend. Did you hear today? For the woman individual, that's his friend that God put into his life to make an energy. We realize that Jesus did lay down his life for us. This is why next week's sermon is hard to preach too because we don't live up to the kind of love that he had. For if we did, I don't think we would have any trouble with our brides. There's some neat things that can bring it all together, but I, I like the illustration of the, and the math illustration. That there is, in order to get a right angle, and you have an angle, like the guys, you're all an angle, okay? In order to get a right angle, you have to add a number of degrees in order to get to 90. And in, in, the, uh, in the math book, in the algebra, they'll say that the complement to an angle is whatever it takes, that angle is going to add up to 90. Just think how beautiful it is for all of us who are incomplete to be able to see that God has the perfect complement to be able to make things right. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the encouragement that we have received in the word of God, that we do not have to give up on this marriage unit. We do not have to throw away the concept of a wife. Lord, you didn't, and you even told us that when the trumpet sounds and when we called up together, it is going to be another manifestation of the beauty of what it means to have a wife. How beautiful it is for the body of Christ to function in that way. Lord, I pray that you will bless the ladies that are wives. I pray that you will bless those who wish to be wives. And I pray that you will comfort those who went through being a wife. And I pray that your strength would be with those who have been called not to have to serve, but to be a spiritual mother or a spiritual sister to others. Lord, I pray that your will will be done in earth, that we won't cave into the compromises. Even in 2021, may we speak the truth in love because we are in Christ saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Please.